The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hello and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. Kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a website called youthrivehere.com. Joining me today as co-host is spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you today, Sarah? I'm good, Jim. How are you over there? I'm doing fine, doing fine. So have you found deeper perspective and higher purpose? I'm still working on it. I think (laughs) think that's a good answer because I... Can you ever actually be there? I guess if you're Buddha or Jesus, I I don't know. I don't know. But even they were like on this track of still not saying they had reached the final, right? You know, I think, I think it's, we always, we always talk about the spiritual journey and I'm certainly still on that journey, on that journey. Sure. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm probably a few steps behind you, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Oh, I don't know, Jim. I think you're gaining on me. You think so? Is it, is it a race? Could it be a race? I don't think it's supposed to be erased, but you Darn know, it. I don't know. We humans always try to put competition in everything, don't we? Who's, yes. who's the most spiritual? Right, right. I'm the serenest of them all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that either you or I win the award for serenest of them all. <laughs> <laughs> but we could go for like creative spiritual of them all. I don't know. We can I work think, on that. Yeah, we, can we can work with that. So what I want to know is um, I want... I, what I would like to help my son do is become the serenest Xbox player of all time. Cause you know, he's a very good, gentle kid in a lot of ways, but man, when he gets on that Xbox, whoo, things go a little crazy. Well, maybe that's what he needs. Maybe if we go all Taoist on this, maybe that's the, the yin and the yang. Maybe that's, that's his expression is through that Xbox. You know, you're probably right. And I, I do think there's a book in there, the Tao of Xbox. There could be. Let's, let's work on that. I'll talk with him about it. Maybe we can uh, get him to do that. I think we should have him write it. We should get the royalties. We should retire and we should podcast all day on a beach. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that idea. All right. So you ready to do some dueling inspirational quotes? My quote is better than your quote? Really? Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. All right. Just for that, just for that bravado, I'm going first. Okay. Here's my quote for today. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, 
but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Wow, that is so interesting. That is so interesting. Who said that? So that's Alvin Toffler. I don't know if you remember him, right? But he was a futurist. He also coined the term information overload. So a lot of wisdom coming out of Alvin. But I like that because I think that we have so much content now and we have so much um, that we're doing all the time. But to remember that we, we need to keep current, we need to keep fresh, we need to, well, I guess there's a little Yoda in there, right? Of the, uh, you must unlearn what you have learned. Yes. Um, right. But I think, I think I'm also using this, uh, this quote to shore up my healthy book addiction. Well, I think that's important to have a book addiction. I think that's perfectly fine as I also go to that 12-step program. There, I hope there is never a 12-step program for books. Yes. Because I have enough 12-step programs already. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for my quote? I am. Let's hear it. Make no little plans. They have no magic to stir your blood. Make big plans. Aim high in hope and work. Okay. I'm getting a weird, like... Tolkien, Lord of the Rings hit off of this, but I know that's not what it is. Who is that? Daniel Burnham. He's an architect, an urban planner. Wow. Can you read that again? Make no little plans. They have no magic to stir your blood. Make big plans. Aim high in hope and work. Oh, I like that. We got to make some big plans, Jim. We do. I think we are. We're doing a big show. Yay. Wait till the movie comes out. Can we have Tolkien in the movie? I don't know if we can resurrect him, but we can try. (laughs) So now from this episode, we have a book and a movie that we are manifesting. So watch out, folks. We have no idea what's going to come out of today's craziness. That's right. And I don't know if you've heard a little bit of editing here, but we have had some technical difficulties today but we are working through them and um you know that's always fun i think we're all kind of working with the zoom gods these days right we're all working with i i think i we've never realized how dependent we are on our connections our personal connections and our technical connections yes it's very true it's very very true all right are you ready to jump into today's show let's do it Funniest Thing Guy, Ed Biagioti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everyone. My name is Edward Biagioti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. I'm so happy to be here with you on Big Universe today to talk about taking your faith to work with you. Oh, my goodness. There is no better place to practice your spirituality than at work. When I take my faith to work with me, Not only does work become easier, not only do I get to transform old limiting beliefs about what is possible for me or what I'm capable of achieving, but I also get to be a light unto others. I I just heard someone recently say, and I think they were quoting a song, they said, if you want to see the light, you got to be the light. And there's no better place than work to be the light. Work is the easiest place to become small and selfish in my thinking, to worry about myself. Am I doing good enough? What are they going to think of me? All of those very things that the spiritual life 
is geared to release us from because they're, they're tiny little boxes and tiny little prisons that we do not fit inside. So many, at least for me, so many of those things potentially come up for me when I'm at work. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm a special education teacher for Culver City Unified School District. And I, you know, I love it. I love teaching my students. I love connecting with them. I love connecting with their families. I love encouraging them, shining light upon them. I love seeing them respond and transform. And I love seeing them exceed what other people have expected from them. And I love watching it. Unha- I like watching it unfold and happen in the most unexpected ways. I love all of that. The thing is, with work, there's also all this, there's often these paperwork or meetings or trainings and things that we have to attend that, like in my case, sometimes the trainings end up being the most stressful part because they become one more thing that my mind thinks it has to do and try to figure out. And being a special education teacher, I'm kind of like my students in that often I'll go to these trainings and they're not even geared toward me. So my, But if I'm not in the right state of mind, my mind is trying to figure out, how am I going to do this? I should already know this. It says all manner of crazy things. So I really need to take my faith to work with me. I really need in those moments to say kind and loving things to myself. Even if in that moment I don't fully believe it, I say to myself, this is easy. Even the person who's giving the training says it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. I say to myself, I'm a wonderful teacher and I'm worthy of love. I say to myself that I'm the best at what I do. I say to myself that I'm the perfect person to do this job. I say to myself, God will do the heavy lifting. I'm just going to show up and be loving and kind. Because another thing that can happen at work is our mind gets so stressed and so worried. Like I said, will we be judged? Are we doing it well enough? When we act out of those fearful intentions, that fearful motivation, uh, Florence Kovalshin said that the Fear is the seed, the seed of its own destruction is woven into things that when we're motivated by fear. And what I take that to mean at work is oftentimes in the past when I've worked out of the fear of being judged or out of the fear that I didn't, that voice telling me I'm not good enough inside me or saying, what if you didn't do this? What if you didn't do that? I end up working twice as hard and oftentimes having to, in the past, I would have to redo it because I was listening to the voice of fear instead of inspiration. And, and it's, in the corporate world nowadays, there's a lot of these voices of protection and fear and accountability that are really like coming not necessarily from an inspired place. But the most amazing thing is that when I come from an inspired place, all the demands get met in the most amazing ways. And the people that I work with, I get to be a light unto them. Just the other day, I was stressed out. I imagined that this school psychologist was judging me because I didn't get this paperwork done or this or that, like, mind you, the meeting hadn't even happened yet, but I was already imagining this happening. But instead of dwelling in that, I, I, thanks to my wife reminding me and other people reminding me, I remember that I'm not the only one feeling stressful. Everyone around me is feeling stressful like this. And I started to feel love for them. So I called the psychologist and left a message for her and told her, just thinking about you, I have too many, I, I joke that I had too many questions to even ask, so I'm not even going to ask one. I'm just going to tell you that I appreciate you and I hope you're taking care of yourself. Funniest thing is, within an hour, she left a message on my machine saying, thank you, it's great to hear from you. She said, 
Don't even worry about that meeting on Tuesday. We'll just figure it out as we go. We're all trying to figure it out, and we're going to be fine. So the very person who my fearful mind thought might be judging me, by me blessing her, she came back and blessed me. You know, they say, bless a thing, and it will bless you. Curse the thing, and it will curse you. And I found that to be true more than one time in my life. So, again, take your faith to work with you and see what happens. This is Ed Biagiotti, co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio, and it has been great being together with you on Big Universe. Reverend Raymond Anderson joins us with Raymond's Corner. Many of us are already familiar with the concept of work, having a job, a nine-to-five. And if I were to ask... How many of us are willing to wake up at whatever time it is that we have to wake up? 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 4 a.m. to go to this job. How many of us are really ready to jump out of bed, get prepped, get dressed, and go to work with joy and enthusiasm? The vast majority of people do not go to work with that as their energy. And most of the reason being because most folks, most of us, don't go to work with faith. We don't turn our work, our occupation, into a career. It's not a calling for us. It's just a place to go, to do whatever we have to do, to collect a paycheck. Let's add faith into the mix and see what happens. And now it's time for our interview. Mark Allen is an internationally renowned seminar leader, entrepreneur, author, and composer. He co-founded New World Library with Shakti Gawain in 1977 and has guided the company as president and publisher from a small startup to its current position as a major player in the independent publishing world. He's written several books, including The Magical Path, The Greatest Secret of All, The Millionaire Course, Visionary Business, and I have to tell you that, you know, I have like about a hundred of your books in here. So I don't know if there's a subscription service that I need to sign up for. Or you just want to take it directly from my bank account. I really appreciate your books. I love your books. He's uh, currently writing The Power of the Feminine, A Guide to Creating Radical Success with Ease. Mark works with people around the globe to craft lives of lasting abundance and prosperity. His online programs include The Magical Path, Success with Ease, Visionary Business, and How to Get Happily Published. Learn more about his programs at markallen.com. Mark, thanks for coming on Big Universe. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. Thanks for the intro. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. So I, did, I wasn't kidding when I said I have a lot of your books from your publishing company. You got good stuff there. I have to, you know, that's just my opinion, but you have some good stuff there. Well, I can second that because I've got four or five right behind me right now, too. <laughs> it has been amazing. It's been awesome to me. I mean, I just started self-publishing a few little books, and then I published my girlfriend's book at the time. Her name was Shakti Gawain, and it was called Creative Visualization. And Oprah picked it up, and bam, we sold 3 million copies right away. And she, it, Oprah launched my company. Yeah. And ever since, all these great other authors have been coming to me. Dan Millman. We got the whole Joseph Campbell collection. And then, of course, Eckhart Tolle. It's just been wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that's fantastic. So why did you decide to create New World in the first place? What was, your, what was the push to do it? I had written a book. I'd thrown together. Uh, Shakti Gawain and I were kind of tricked into leading this seminar. And that went for four days. And I uh, 
kept running between sessions and typing up notes and it grew into 64 pages. I just wanted to give people at this live seminar something concrete in their hands to take home to remember. Because we, we remember something like, you know, 10% of what we hear uh, in a talk or anything. So I, I literally looked up book and publish in a dictionary to see, have I published a book? I had a bunch of stapled, you know, eight and a half by 11 stapled. And uh, it turned out I had, so I, thought, okay, I, how do I get this in stores? And I, I learned about distribution and they, they told me, oh, the book has to have a spine and a cover and in order to sell in bookstores. You can't have like stapled eight by 11. <laughs> so I did that. I, I, I printed it up and it started selling a bit. It was called Reunion Tools for Transformation. Hmm. And then I did another book on astrology and I did a book on poetry. And then uh, my girlfriend at the time took basically the same information from our re my reunion book because it was based on the seminar we had done together. But she wrote it so much better and she gave it a better title, Creative Visualization. Yeah. And uh, suddenly we had something selling. Yeah, I've been reading, going back and reading some of your work and I did the... Uh, you know, I picked up a lazy person's manifesto for mm. wealth and fulfillment. The Type C Guide to Success is actually the the title. That's the right. subtitle. First off, right up my alley. You know, I <laughs> I I, I can I can concur with that. But you don't seem like a lazy person at all to me. You look at all that you're doing. Yeah, it's been forty years. I I am definitely lazy. That was one of my main goals to be successful in business, but continue to be lazy. I'd been a musician in my twenties. And I love those hours. You never did a thing before one in the afternoon. And I, I wanted to keep that. And that's to this day, that's what I do. I slept till 11 today, my usual. I don't do anything till one or so. And it all works. Well, that's cool. I, I thought we might uh, take a little time and kind of dive into some of the steps that you mentioned in that book. Because um, I think they're really cool. Um, and, and the first one that you talk about is... Uh, you know, you need to take the time to dream and, and write your ideal scene. Can you yes. tell, talk to me a little bit about that? To this day, and in all my books and all my teachings, I mean, some people have complained on Amazon that I say the same thing in every book. And I do, but from different angles, kind of. And, but basically, all I'm teaching is what I did the day I turned 30. I woke up the day I turned 30 in this state of shock, realizing I wasn't a kid anymore. This voice kept saying, you're 30. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your life. I was living in a little slum apartment in Oakland, California, that it had bars on the windows. It was on a busy, noisy, violent street. It, uh, it was not a nice place to live. Uh, and I had no job. I had no income. I had no family support. We were scrounging every month. I was with Shakti Gawain. We were scrounging every month to just get the rent together. And, and at that time, rents were cheap, you know? And, uh, and somehow that was cool in my 20s. You know, I played a lot of music. I was a cool uh, musician, spiritual seeker or whatever. But somehow when I turned 30, this voice just said, okay, you're 30, you're not a kid anymore. What are you gonna do with your life? 
Mm. And I spent most of the day alone pacing up and down. And that day I discovered the, like basically I took four steps that I still teach today to everything, the steps that changed my life. I really do think looking back, I was a different person at the end of the day than I was at the beginning. Hmm. I woke up in the beginning of the day, uh, confused, unclear. And I real I had no goals in life hmm. for several years. I'd had no goal except to just pay the rent, pay, hmm. pay the rent, do my thing, smoke some dope, play music, uh, have a good time. And uh, that was somehow fine in my 20s. But when I was 30, <laughs> uh, it was not fine. I, I, this voice just said, okay, what are you going to do with your life? And I remembered a, a little game I'd played. We'd had a, uh, a pretty disastrous back to the land experiment when I was 22 that I lasted like six months. We moved out of 40 totally undeveloped acres in Southern Oregon and uh, uh, tried to make it through the winter with no electricity, no, no buildings. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was, was, when I look back, it was like, what were we doing? Seemed like a good idea at the time. But (laughs) but one evening there changed my life when I look back, because we were sitting around the fire outside at night. And this one couple, they were sort of the odd couple they said, let's play this game. We play at church camp. They did a church camp every summer. They, they said, let's play this game. And the game is, you imagine five years have passed and everything has gone as well as you could possibly imagine. What would your life look like? What is your ideal scene, they called it. We all went around the fire and said something. And I've thought often, I, I don't remember a word of what I said there. Uh, so it had no impact in my life or anything. But the day I turned 30, I remember that. And I sat down and this time I thought, write it down so you remember. So I literally, I did the, the first thing that really changed my life. I took one sheet of paper, I wrote ideal scene at the top. And I, plug, I said, okay, five years have passed, I'm 35. Oh my God, I'm middle-aged, oh my God, Lunch. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I and I said, ideal scene. Okay. And what just sprang out just amazed me because I'd never had any interest in business. In fact, I, I thought maybe money was the root of all evil. Making money was evil. The, uh, I was just a pure spiritual musician having nothing to do with it, which is why I was totally broke. And what spilled out was I have a successful publishing company cruising along and and even when I thought my ideal, and I don't work too hard at it. I, I had the image of like this ship cruising along and I'm sitting on the deck in a chaise lounge, relaxing while the whole thing just goes at its own energy, you know? Mm-hmm. I have a tall drink with a little umbrella. That was my, that's my business, cruising along. And, and then, and I also, oh, and I write books and I record all my music. And I have a beautiful home in a beautiful place on a hill. And, and of course, doubts and fears completely assaulted me. Sure, yeah. You know, and, but then I added what is my unique contribution to humanity. So I said, so, oh, yeah, if I'm thinking ideally, I do everything in an easy and relaxed manner. I only work when I feel like it. I sleep in every day as long as I want. 
you know, and, and that was my ideal scene. Hmm. And, and I stared at it for a while, overcome with doubts and fears. And then I ended up making a whole, another page, a list of goals. I had 12 goals, start a publishing company, start writing a book, start recording your music, start learning about real estate. It was all start because I had nothing going on. I knew nothing. And then I rewrote each goal as an affirmation. I'd learned a lot about affirmations in my 20s. So I wrote, I am now creating a successful publishing company in an easy, relaxed manner in a healthy and positive way. In its own perfect time for the highest good of all. And I did that with every goal. And I started just reading those and repeating those. And then the fourth step, what happened is for every major goal, I just made a one-page plan, a very simple one-page plan. Literally for my business, the only plan I could think of at the time, my entire plan had two steps. One, read a used business 101 textbook because I'd never studied a thing about business. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what banks did or anything. I, I was completely oblivious. So, okay. My first plan was read a used business 101 textbook. And number two, talk to people I know who know more about business than I do and find out how this thing works. Mm -hmm. That was my first plan, literally on paper. That's all I could do. And once I did that, it led to, oh, I could see the next step. You got to make a plan for your business. You got to like make it work on paper and, uh, you know, and one thing led to another. And so how do you, uh, we just have about a minute here and we'll, we can continue into the next section, but you know, how do you deal with those when those things come up that, uh, you know, say, oh, you can't do that or that's crazy or that dream is not realistic or what do you do with that? I, know, I mean, that's the essential question. I often say there's just two essential things. One, dare to dream and make that goal. And then two, deal with the doubts and fears. I literally had this argument with my doubts and fears or not argument, discussion where they said impossible, way too much Mark here. You don't know a thing. What are you doing? And I literally said to them, oh, and they said, and you can't do it in an easy, relaxed manner. You have to work 60 hours a week to do your own company, which my own father told me. But I literally said to them after a while, pacing up and down, I said, look, let me try it just as an experiment. And if it doesn't work, I won't be any worse off than I am now. I was broke. I had no money, zero. I don't even know if I had a bank account. I, I had no money. So I said, look, it can't get worse, so let me try it. And they, even my dozen fears said, well, yeah, it can't get worse. So I negotiated <laughs> with them. I said, give me, I said, give me a year or two. Give me a year or two to try this crazy experiment where I go for my dreams, but I do it in my own lazy way. And I know I've got, I've got no money. I've, I've got no knowledge of, the, of what to do, but I'm going to go for it. And the next step will be revealed to me. So just let me go for it. Awesome. And that's how we got around my doubts and fear. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Mark Allen. Okay, Mark, so I guess one of my questions is, you know, you make the, you make a plan or you at least you, you make a dream and you, you, you create in the, me- in the methods that you were talking about before the break. Um, what happens if it fails? I mean, what, how do you deal with the failure if it happens? You know, that, that's another essential question. That's the thing that keeps most people from realizing their dreams. They, they either fear failure so much they don't do anything or they start doing something and they fail. I had some big failures along the way. Our, I, we nearly went bankrupt. Our distributor collapsed. Uh, every successful person has had failures. And you realize each failure just teaches you what you need to know. It's the only way to learn is, is by failure. Very few people start up something and don't have setbacks and failures. I, th- I think every successful person I know has had failures and that's how you learn. So yeah, you fail. You just pick yourself up next day and say, okay, what, what do I do now? What's the next step? How do I go on? You keep the dream in mind. You will have failures. I, I, I have several successful friends now. And what they often, you know, we'll have dinner. This is pre COVID. Uh, and you know a few glasses of wine and then we start talking about our failures because after a while they become very funny no okay they're they're very funny the ridiculous things we tried and did that didn't work at all it cost us everything we had and we were back to square one with no money no uh almost every successful person has those stories in fact i have this incredibly successful friend in minneapolis in theater I was talking to him on the phone a while ago, and he said, we should celebrate glorious failure. Mm. It's the way he put it. Ooh, yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah, throw yourself a party. Have, you know, drink champagne if you can afford it. Cheap champagne if you can feel broke. And what you said, you know, you went for it. You went for it. You lost everything. But, hey, you went for it. Good for you. Celebrate, celebrate. You know, and what are you going to do tomorrow then to pick yourself up and go for it again. So you just pick yourself up, write the next dream out. Is that right? Yep. 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 Or the same dream and modified a little bit. Oh, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Once you fail, you can really see what went wrong. You can analyze it in a way when you're just successful, you don't even know quite what's working clearly. You just know it's all working. I thought we might dive in a little bit to a book that was, uh, an influence to you and um, talk talk to you about you know magic in a sense you, you mentioned the art of true healing by Israel Regardi yeah and um, yeah. it had a profound influence on you how did that how did it influence you and what 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 was the oh boy I was only um, 21 or 22 I think when I found the book <clears throat> just out of the university I was in horrible health. I'd done way too much crystal methadrine in my last two years of college. I was in terrible health. I nearly OD'd on it one time. Oh my goodness. And I just, I happened to stumble into this. uh, I I got a job, my dream job in this uh, theater company where I wrote the music and I acted and, 
and we toured and we went to Madison, Wisconsin. And there were, I was just wandering the street because I had the afternoon free before the performance. And there was this bookstore that was all magic, all magic books. And I wandered in and asked the owner what's going on. And he ended up giving me like an hour course on Western magic. And I ended up taking a pile of books back, buying them. And uh, the, the little, most of them were big and difficult and I never even got through them. But the little one on top was called The Art of True Healing. To this day, I do the meditation from there every day. It has a, a meditation called the Middle Pillar Meditation. And I do it uh, being so lazy. I, you can do it sitting. I do it flat on my back in my favorite yoga pose. The I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Me too, Jim. Yeah. We got to start that tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And, and it's at least half the time I fall asleep. I mean, so it's a joke in my family. I say, I'm going to meditate. And they say, yeah, meditate, sure. <laughs> so apparently, I snore sometimes when I'm meditating flat on my back. But half the time, I do I stay conscious and do this healing meditation where you just imagine healing light descending from the crown of your head through your whole body, down the middle of your body, healing, healing, healing. That's what I got from there. And then the book goes on. It's a short, sweet little thing. In fact, the entire book is reprinted in chapter four of my book, The Magical Path. Mm -hmm. So you get two books for one there. And, uh, but it's not only about healing. Then he gets into visualizing everything, creating whatever you desire in life. And it's, it's a powerful, powerful short course in, in real magic. What is magic to you? Uh, I, you say that people have all kinds of different names for it, but what is magic to you? M magic is really, it's creating something out of nothing, seems to me. It's, I've always been interested in real magic, you know, not stage magic, not fantasy magic. I love Harry Potter, but it's all fantasy. No, real magic is creating what you desire in life. And it's all, it's creative visualization is another way to put it. And it, it's nothing unusual. It's something we're doing all the time, all the time. Uh, we're, we're always visualizing what we want, but most of us spend far more time visualizing what we want for lunch than we do visualizing what we want with our lives. Mm -hmm. Literally every day, you know, we get hungry. Oh, what am I going to eat? And what do we do? We visualize, we go through, it's just our imagination, you know, our thoughts. We, what do I want for lunch? Do I want this or that? Should I go out, get a sandwich? We, we're sitting there exploring things in our imagination, and then we pick one and focus on it. Okay, I'm going to get the, a Subway sandwich. And then we take the right steps to get there and do that. That's magic. That's how simple it is. It's as Shakti says in the first sentence of creative visualization, there's nothing new or unusual in creative visualization. In fact, it's a process we're doing all the time. We just need, we, we have all the gifts, all the abilities. We just need to focus our minds and clearly focus on what we want to create in our lives. And then the next step will become obvious toward moving toward it. And it's always a small, simple step. It's no big deal. Give me an example of a small, simple step that, that you used recently. 
Okay, I'll go back to the beginning when I decided to start a business. Literally, the, all I could think of were, was write a use, read a used business 101 textbook and talk to people I know. And so I did that. I, went, I got a used business 101 textbook because I couldn't afford a new one. And then I went down to the corner. There was a great sauna there near me in Oakland. And I'd gotten to know the owners. And they were wealthy people. They owned a lot of real estate. And so I literally just walked in there and the, the, the main guys, his wife was there taking care of it. And I said, so you have, what is this a business? How are you organized? And she said, well, we're, this is just a proprietorship. I, think. I said, what's that? You know, and she told, I said, how do you start a business? She said, oh, it's easy. You just go down to civic center and, and register your fictitious business name. I said, what's that? Said, you know, a business needs a, a name that's not similar to any other name. Uh, oh, okay. So then I went down to Civic Center. It cost me $35 to register uh, my, my business name. And that's just one little step at a time. Then uh, Shakti and I, have, we ended up doing our first catalog, which is one legal size sheet of paper folded twice. So it was like a little brochure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was our catalog. And we, we sent it out to all our friends and family. We pulled together every name we knew and our friends and sent out 200 of them. And I thought, oh, we should, this is friends and family. We should get a hundred orders, I bet. And we got zero orders. We just had friends <laughs> coming by wanting free copies of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, but actually then the first thing I did that really worked, I went to a Unity church. Mm. I'd been going and realized, oh, they each have bookstores. And the Unity Churches had a brochure with the addresses of every other Unity Church. And we sent our little funky first brochure out to every Unity Church. And we started getting orders. Hmm. It was Unity Church that really helped launch my company. When you talk about magic, you know, you mentioned in, in one of the books that it's, that, that word is uncomfortable for some people. Um, what, what are other ways we can think of that, that word or other names for it that might feel more comfortable? Yeah, I mean, there's a zillion of them. Creative visualization is a good name. Or even if you're just business-minded, strategic planning. Hmm. That's a good one. Strategic planning. You can also call because, it... Because in essence, that's taking, think, that's taking thought and creating from it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just making a plan. That's where it all ends up. And a simple plan in simple words. Uh, often, I think these business schools develop uh, what I call consulto babble. This whole language that's very complex. You know, <laughs> I'm dealing with a guy now uh, who has that the business school vocabulary, and I'm constantly taking what he says and, and saying, "Okay, how do you say that simply?" Because my theory, what I really believe is. Our subconscious mind is like an incredibly powerful five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And the simpler, the better. If the words get too complicated and too intellectual, they, they like stay up in your mind, in your brain there, and you're, you're sitting there like interpreting them. So put it in as simple words as possible. Make a simple plan on one page in the simplest words possible. And your subconscious mind will say yes to it. Some brilliant person said, our subconscious mind says yes to every thought. So if we say, I want to create 
this career of my dreams. I want to do this. I want to create the subconscious mind will say yes and start showing you the next step to take. Oh, you got to learn this, make this. But then if your next thought is, oh, but it's so hard to succeed. So few people succeed. The subconscious mind says, yes, it's hard for you with that thought. Yes, it is. Now, in terms of publishing, I have to ask a couple of questions as a publisher. Are there any books that are really affecting you right now? Any new books that are coming out that are profound for you? Oh, yes. I mean, the ultimate remains the power of now for mm-hmm. me. It, it, uh, it changed my life. It remains uh, my uh, just main inspiration every day. I, I'm conscious of that book mm-hmm. every hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, it's really lightened my life. The Power of Now is the, the best book we ever published. I think it's the best book ever written in the known universe. Uh, it's brilliant. Eckhart Tolle is brilliant. That's been my main book. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, just like, like four books that we've published have blown me away. The Art of True Healing, which you talked about. And then in my mid-20s or so, I got James Allen's As a Man Thinketh. And I ended up publishing a gender-neutral version called As You Think. Mm. But that book uh, really uh, empowered me. It opens with a poem that summarizes the entire book. And the poem is, mind is the master power that molds and makes. And we are mind. And evermore we take the tool of thought and shaping what we will bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. We think in secret and it comes to pass. The world is but our looking glass. Mm. That's the opening poem. And it summarizes the book and really had me become more aware of every thought. Mm. Every thought has consequences for good or ill. So that book really empowered me. Mm-hmm. I'm on newworldlibrary.com right now, and I'm ordering that one up, Mark. Oh, it's a great <laughs> one. Great one. As You Think, James Allen. Uh, brilliant book, written in 1904. Just a classic. Every word is still totally relevant today. That's for sure. You mentioned Power of Now, and I just, I'm curious, how did you, as a publisher, how did you find Eckhart? Did he come to you, or was there another, how did, how did you find <laughs> Eckhart? Uh, sometimes I say it's all, it's just, it's all karma. And uh, it, it literally was the answer to a prayer. I started in the summer of 99. I'd fulfilled my five-year dream. I had the big house on the hill. I had a successful publishing company. I had money in the bank. I had done albums and books. and uh, Everything was fine. I had a wonderful marriage. And uh, I started praying to take a quantum leap in, in two things, in, in inner peace. I wanted every moment to be to have that grounding in inner peace and i wanted to take a financial leap too i wanted to have a lot more (laughs) Uh, more resources financially and i started praying that literally walking around my big house i'd pray it for just a a week or two and then it it was actually my uh, i mean i'll try to tell a shorter story but we had this little distributor in Canada named Barbara Dempsey. And uh, my marketing guy just said, what's your best selling book? And she distributed our books and Louise Hay, Hay House. And she uh, just did spiritual books and stuff. 
and uh, he asked a great question. I'm so glad he did. He says, what's your best-selling book? To distribute? And she said, oh, The Power of Now. No one had ever heard of it. It had been published in Canada. Hmm. And the guy had no platform, as we say, at all. He didn't even own a computer. He didn't, he didn't have, you know, <laughs> and he had no money. For a while, he was living in his car. Uh, wow. And, uh, and he met this, this woman, Connie Kellogg, uh, who, had, uh, who had never published anything, but she published a beautiful hardcover edition of it, and they started distributing in Canada. And that's where I immediately called Barbara Dempsey, got Connie Kellogg's information. I immediately called Connie. And I mm -hmm. said, how oh, now? That's intriguing. I want to see this. She sent me a copy. And literally within 15 seconds of opening and reading those first sentences, I knew. I knew this book was genius. Mm -hmm. I knew we had to publish it. It's so unique. We get lots of submissions every year and so many i just say oh, they're generic it's like oh i've been there done that it's the same old same old uh and so then it depends on the author's platform if the author is really out there promoting and and selling books great we'll publish it but uh it it's nothing new really mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but power of now every sentence was new mm. I even asked Eckhart once why he thought the book was so successful. And he just smiled and said, well, he waited until every sentence emerged from presence. Oh, wow. That's wow. Neat. Yeah. I he even like said that. an interesting yeah. thing. He started it uh, in Sausalito out here. Uh, he started writing. Then he went back to England. And in England, he said he couldn't write a word. Hmm. He tried many, many, many times to write it wasn't emerging from presence. So we went back to the US hmm. and then ended up actually in Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. And that's where he finished the book. Wow, interesting. So in the, in the essence of power now and the work that you've done, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we're living in very interesting times right now. You know, there's a, there's a pandemic, there's all kinds of upheaval in many different forms. Yeah. I wondered, you know, what kind of thoughts might we think what kind of things might you suggest that listeners kind of use for these interesting times do you have any thoughts on that i sure do and i just even i just, before this interview i just saw a new uh little uh question and answer with eckhart on video that's floating around where somebody basically said look the world is such a mess with all these huge global problems. And even he got into, you know, all this kidnapping and violence and murder and warfare. And so how can I possibly find inner peace? And Eckhart had the most beautiful response and basically said, if you wait until the world <laughs> improves before you do your own inner work, uh, you'll obviously never do your own inner work. The history of humanity is a history of insanity, as he said. Mm. And what's happening now, you know, there, there are huge forces that, that, uh, that are beyond us. There is, we're, we're messing up the climate, yes. And there is this pandemic. There's all these huge, huge problems. But what's the best possible thing to do about it? Eckhart says, well, if you're, you know, if, 
if you're motivated to like go out in the world and really try to do something concrete to prevent uh, child abuse or whatever it is, you know, great, wonderful. If that's what you're motivated to do, do it. Mm -hmm. But with so much going on, of course, the most important thing is still to get the inside right of ourselves, get the ins, get realize that what is is what is. We can't we can't change much with climate change. We can do we can do whatever we can do, but it's not going to change huge global problems. The only thing that will really impact our lives is to do the inner work, to really, as Eckhart says, offer no resistance to life. To offer no resistance to life is to be in a state of grace, ease, and lightness. That's from Power Now. Hmm. That's a phrase I meditate on every day. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, you know, I'm going to go back to business for another second. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I know somebody out there is listening. Okay, I, I have a book I want to get published. You know, what's a way that someone can start that process? What are, you know, write, writing it down? And, and what's, a, what's a first step someone should do to get their book published? I often say now there's no excuse not to get published anymore. There used to be. Because you need a lot of money to either self-publish or you had to find a publisher. Now, you can publish so cheaply online that I th- I really encourage everyone, everyone who wants to, everyone who has that desire to write and publish your book. And if you can publish, if you can sell, oh, a thousand copies on Amazon or something, then you can approach publishers with a track record mm-hmm. and you can possibly get a publisher if you self-publish first. That's, but if not, I've known many people that are doing very well, just self-publishing, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. their own thing. Uh, some of them I've wanted to publish and literally one guy said, what do I need you for? He'd made over $2 million on his self-published books. Mm. So I, uh, he said, what do I need you for? <laughs> and I said, well, I agree. You don't, you don't need me. You do it just by. So there's no stigma attached to self-publishing anymore. No, not any, not at all. We've picked up a whole lot of books that have been self-published. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a great technology. It really is. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's similar in the video world. You know, you yeah. can, you could get, you know, I, I, I'm a production guy. And you, you, it's, it's really amazing how, you know, in a box, what I used to have to use a whole, you know, suite for, I could do in a box, you know, on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. And get my work out there. Yep. Yep. It, it is amazing. One more thing. I just wondered, someone wants to start a business. What's the first advice you have for them? Make a simple one page plan keep in mind the intention to make it work and to realize, and this took me uh, four or five years to realize that there's really, there's just three essential things. One, your product or service. And that usually the person starting the business has that. They have that idea, product or service. You got to have a good product or service, something unique, something 
from your heart. The key there is to do what you love. I have this big quote right in front of me all the time at my desk here saying, there must be the generating force of love behind every effort destined to be successful. Henry David Thoreau. Mm. Do what you love. Find the product or service that you're loving. That's one essential. Two, you got to find some way to market it. You got to find some way to market and sell and monetize that. That I had no interest in, but I found the right guy finally to help me out there. Mm -hmm. And then three, and this was the last piece that it took me years to real. You got to have financial controls. You got to have a good financial person, a good bookkeeper. You got to look at the numbers. You got to watch it. And the goal is you, you, you do a P&L statement, profit and loss. You have your sales at the top, your income, and then you have all your expenses. And the goal is to get the sales more than the, the number of sales, the amount, more than the total expenses. That's what literally, I mean, I'm such an idiot in some ways. I, I, that's what took me years. I lost money my first three or four years mm -hmm. until I finally got this bookkeeper who became my CFO, which has showed me, Mark, you gotta, you gotta cut, if you can cut expenses that you can save in a tremendous amount, you can get by with less sales if you keep your expenses down. That took me years to learn, but that's it. And every one of those three things is simple. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. Every step is simple. Anybody can do it. Anybody awesome. can have a successful business. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on Big Universe. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you, Jim. My pleasure, too. Thanks a lot. For more information about Mark Allen and his seminars and teleconferences, go to markallen.com. For more on his publishing company, of course, you can go to newworldlibrary.com. For more information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got some premium video courses and help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join us. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.